Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into supplements. They're everywhere, aren't they? Yes, they are. From TV to internet to... To the radio. To the radio, to everything <laughs> you can think of. So let's talk about the secret life of dietary supplements. So I'm driving along, minding my own business on my way to work the other morning, and there was a radio ad for supplements. And (laughs) I kid you not, they basically said, would you want, they started with, would you want GMOs in your supplements? And of course, my ears perked up and I was, you know, my eyes were going into the back of my head. Right. (laughs) Um, Kind of an inflammatory way to start. It's an inflammatory way to start, right? Right. And then it just got worse. Then it was like, but you, you know, you want your supplements to be clean and organic and all the fear mongering and all the preying on our insecurities and our in and our vulnerability about our food, right? And our just came out in this commercial and it just made my blood boil. But it made you, did you think about ordering it? Because that was their, their target no. population. You know, think about, you know, woman driving to work, maybe she'll get on the internet right. and then order yeah. the supplement. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I did get on the internet to check out their claims and, you know, it basically said, yeah, uh, we want the best when it comes to our food, clean, organic, and non-GMO. Why would we want anything different in our vitamins and supplements? But the thing that got me that I thought was kind of the best on the internet was that, you know, their supplements have no artificial sweeteners, flavors, colors, or chemicals. Well, that's interesting. (laughs) Right? aren't the vitamins also chemicals? Right. A vitamin is a chemical. Wow. So. Little did you know that we're full of chemicals. (laughs) Yeah. Like. So that's why (laughs) it drives us crazy. Uh, So anyway, we talked uh, about supplements in a previous podcast and I know we said we wanted to do a deeper dive and Amy you've done a lot of great research in the past on supplements and done some presentations so we thought we'd talk about that a little bit today. So let's first of all talk about what a dietary supplement is because I think it can be a little bit confusing. The official governmental definition from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration or the FDA and I might refer to them throughout the, the um, podcast today the FDA so that's the organization that oversees our dietary supplements. Right. When I say oversee, I'm using a very, very general term, <laughs> yeah. as you will find out. find out. Right. So stay tuned. You may not want to know this. Right. <laughs> it's a little different than what you might think of as true regulation of something right. from the government, but we'll talk about that more later. What the FDA says is a dietary supplement is a product to intended to add further nutritional value to supplement the diet. Um, right. Not necessarily to take the place of healthy eating, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but it's meant to supplement what you're currently eating. That's what the FDA defines as a dietary supplement. Okay, so something that goes above and beyond what's in our food. Right. So supplements can be in a lot of forms. So thinking about those vitamin mineral preparations you might buy you know, in a bottle from CVS or mm-hmm. Walgreens. Um, a botanical and herbal supplement. Again, you can buy those online or in drugstores. 
Um, but the supplements can take many forms. They can be powders. They can be liquids. They can be gummies. Gummies. I mean, just <laughs> Gels, anything you can yeah. think of mm-hmm. um, it can come in those forms. They can even be in drinks that are yeah. pre-made for you already. Uh-huh. Um, so again, they can be in many forms. Okay. They're a really big business. Absolutely. I, I guess I don't think that needs to go with you know, without saying that right. how money, much money yeah. we spend on dietary supplements. As of 2017, it's a $37 billion industry. Billion. Billion with a B. Yes. Yeah. This is a very big business. And of course, the vast majority of those sales are in vitamin and mineral supplements. Mm-hmm. And you may know somebody, you may be somebody yourself who takes a vitamin and mineral supplement on a daily basis. I am guilty of doing that um, <laughs> occasionally here and there. And now, you know, as I read more about this, I think, what am I doing? Right. Because really they're unnecessary. But we'll talk more about that. There was a study in 2013 that found that 77% of supplements were taken by personal choice. So you or I saw a commercial or thought maybe or heard, or heard a relative was taking something and I went out and bought it too. Only 23% of supplements in this particular study were recommended by a doctor. Wow. So, yeah. And we're going to get back more into that here in a little bit um, about why that might be. But the vast majority of people who take a dietary supplement are doing that because they heard about it, thought about it, talked to somebody, saw an ad, and that's why they started it. I generally, do you even recommend supplements to patients? It depends on the patient. And we'll talk about why when later in the podcast about there are certain situations in mm-hmm. which I might recommend something. Correct. But the vast majority of people with yeah. a healthy, balanced diet, right. as you will find out later, don't need these things. Right. Unnecessary. Okay. So while the FDA defines supplements as something mm-hmm. that's supposed to kind of add value to our diet... Most of us don't see them that way. We see them as a treatment, for example, for bone health or heart health. How many supplements have you seen that advertised for bone health? Right. Or for heart health. Um, yeah. To deal with the side effects of menopause, hot flashes, mm-hmm. those types of things, weight loss, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about, to pre- prevent cancer or reoccurrence of cancers, or even just as simple as like boost immunity or prevent a cold. Mm-hmm. Think about how many cold yeah. supplements are out there. You know, if yeah. you take this particular supplement on the first day of your cold, you It'll will not shorten. develop yeah. or shorten the duration, the of, the duration the... of your cold. Mm-hmm. Now, you might say, but I took that, and I know and my cold was shorter. Yeah. Well, how do you know? You don't know, <laughs> you don't know how cold Do you have a that... control you walking right. around that right. also took right. nothing and had the same cold? Right. How do you know that <laughs> that actually shortened your cold? Right. You have no idea. Right. Colds can last a variety of days yeah. uh, to weeks. Yeah. So we don't see them the way the FDA intended for us to see them. Yeah. And we also don't understand that there's a lack of regulation. Um, almost 70% of Americans, and this was from a big Harris poll a few years ago, believe that the government requires herbal manufacturers to report side effects. Even scarier, 60% of Americans believe that the FDA, that governmental organization, must approve these for sale. Yeah. And over half of Americans believe that manufacturers cannot make claims about evidence or effectiveness without scientific evidence. So they believe that there has to be backup for the claims. Right. And all of those are not correct. Exactly. (laughs) So, Uh, and I think this is interesting because people get on pharmaceuticals all the time. I don't want to take a pill. Yes. Because it's not natural. Right. 
you know? It's, yeah. It's synthetic. You know, it's <laughs> a chemical. You know, I don't right. want to take a pill. Yeah. But, but then they'll jump on these supplements. Right. right? And any time that there is a, a medicine pulled from the market, it's big news, you mm-hmm. know? It splashes the headlines and you begin. Yeah. And I can see how people can develop a distrust of medication. I can totally see it. Yeah. Because you see all of these these big headlines or, you know, we're pulling a medicine that's been on the market for many years and we yeah. found out that there's a really dangerous side effect and we're going to pull it from the market. And you can might start to think that, well, they must not be testing things yeah. the way they're supposed to be or they would have known this. Right. Yeah. But we don't seem to hold our dietary supplements to the same standard that mm-hmm. we do our pharmaceutical medications. Um, I thought this was an interesting statistic. 19 of 20, so 19 out of 20 new drugs never make it to market. Okay. Because safety on these new medications, this uh-huh. is true over true prescription medications, can be up to 10,000 pages long and can take over a decade to develop. Right. It so takes some years to get it to market. This is one of the reasons that drugs are expensive right? because for every drug that has failed mm-hmm. and how many billions of dollars that yeah. might have been spent on that drug, you know, yeah. you get one approved and 19 have failed. Wow. Yeah. It's a really right. rigorous process that has to go through right. trials and human trials and animal trials and, right. you know, and you can't and, just go from, right. You can't go willy nilly. Hey, I mean, I've got this great idea. <laughs> right. The problem is, you know, dietary supplements don't seem to be held to that same standard in herbal supplements. They're and again, not held to the same standard. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But you might say, well, but the but drugs are harmful and they're not natural. So supplements are totally natural. Right. So they must so, be safe. Right. Right. So, so that's where the difference is. Right. Because if, technically we could be eating this in our food. Right. Right. You know, um, I think that's also important to remember that pharmaceutical drugs often start out from natural sources. Uh-huh. Morphine, antibiotics, yeah, aspirin, sure. yeah. all started from natural sources. Yeah. So, again, it doesn't mean that natural doesn't at some point become a, a medication. Right. You yeah. know, I think that's also interesting that because of regulation, there will likely never be good control of dietary and herbal supplements. And we'll talk a little bit about that regulation here in a couple minutes. Okay. I saw a good comparison that I really, really like to to talk about, like prenatal vitamins. So Uh if you buy prenatal vitamins over the counter, um, there's no warnings. There's no, you know, uh, lengthy list that you get when you go to the pharmacy of all of the side effects and interactions. It's basically, you know, here's a formulation with no warnings, just take it you know yeah. it's a safe prenatal vitamin but if you get a prescription prenatal vitamin that could be the same exact product you're going to have that long list of fi- side effects you know huh. constipation upset stomach what to do if you have an allergic reaction right. etc right that's required to be on a prescription it is not required to be on the same on exact a... medication that could be on a store shelf okay so that's the difference between again those prescription versus over the counter so let's do a little bit of a history lesson there have been a couple of pieces of legislation that have been passed um, that have really affected how ineffectively our dietary supplements are regulated. And the first one was called the Proxmire Amendment. It was in the 1970s. Okay. And basically, this permanently forbids the FDA from ever regulating amounts in vitamin and mineral supplements or ever classifying them as drugs. 
even though, again, they can have huh. the same potency yeah. or the same function as prescription drugs, this amendment ever forbid the FDA from ever regulating them. Huh. It also prevented the FDA from requiring supplements, get ready for this, to prove that their ingredients are useful and preventing the FDA from banning ingredients shown to be useless. And that's different than ingredients that are dangerous. And we'll talk a little bit about some of those dangerous ones that have been on the market and have made the news. Okay. But it basically prevents the FDA from saying, well, that ingredient doesn't do anything. They can't ban it. Okay. It also hmm. forbids the FDA from ever establishing standardization of supplements of any kind. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So they can't establish a standardization right. for a supplement. Right. And they can't. Tell say that you have to you know, prove that your product is useful, or that it's they can't say well we can pull it if it's useless. Right. It basically lets manufacturers do, essentially like, whatever they want. Whatever you want to do. And then it got worse twenty years later. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> the Dietary Supplement and Health Education Act passed mm-hmm. in 1994 broadened the definition of a dietary supplement to include things like amino acids, botanicals, enzymes. And it also allowed those various forms that we've already talked about, powders, you know, gel caps, teas, bars, and even energy drinks under that dietary supplement umbrella. Yep, I this remember hearing about that one. Automatically grandfathered in all supplements released prior to October of 1994 as well. Okay. Um, so dietary supplement manufacturers have a very short process as opposed to pharmaceuticals <sighs> right. to get their stuff to market. Basically... If you or I wanted to make a dietary supplement, we could send the FDA information on why we believe that that supplement is good and effective and do this 75 days before we plan to sell it. And that's it. That's it? We're in business. Okay. (laughs) So we just have to send them information. Do they approve that? or We just say this is what we're going to do. We have to do it 75 days before and we can sell it. Okay. Congratulations. So we just have to wait 75 days. 75 we're not days. waiting for them to get back to us on No, no approval needed. It's just what we're going to put okay. on the market. No wonder. Okay. So yeah. manufacturers, just as a reminder, do not have to prove that your, their ingredients are safe or effective. So the burden of proof lies with the FDA at our expense, taxpayer expense, to prove that a supplement is unsafe after it hits the market. And then we're going to go through a couple of those supplements gotcha. that have been pulled. Hmm. If you were going to make a pharmaceutical drug, it would take years and years and millions to billions of dollars out of, you know, a company's pocket to get that market drug to market. But a a dietary supplement requires none of the same regulation. Interesting. So it is so difficult and expensive to get a drug taken off the market that really only one has ever been successfully removed. And you all remember, I think, ephedra. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, a drug or a supplement. So excuse me, yes, excuse yes. me, yes. a supplement to be Correct. ever removed. Yeah, okay, everybody remembers the the yeah. medication, mm-hmm. you know, the weight oh, loss yeah. medication, ephedra. Oh yeah, it's a dangerous stimulant, mm-hmm. um, and it was linked to deaths of hundreds of people. But it took a decade, and actually the, the death of a celebrity athlete. There was a pitcher from the Bar- Baltimore Orioles named uh, Steve Belcher, to finally get it removed from the market. Even with that, though, yeah. you can still find products online that contain various forms of ephedra. Of the, yeah, I've yeah, I've still seen some. Right, scary. They still have some type of ephedra in them. Yeah. 
The other thing that's interesting is that the you know the D, the Dietary Supplement Health Education Act again sounds like a good act, right? That right. sounds like something you'd want to be in, involved in. Yeah. With pharmaceutical regulations, it actually has reduced the number of drugs on the market. With the DSHEA, it has actually increased the number of supplements available. So the example hmm. I give is in 1994, there were only 4,000 dietary supplements available. Today, there are more than 85,000 available wow. on the market. And that's just the ones that the FDA is aware of. <laughs> okay. So there may be additional ones beyond that. That but they're not do their 75 day right, wait not period. Their, their thing there. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So we've all seen that <clears throat> statement on dietary supplements. Yep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is is the required statement that you will see on dietary supplements. So they do have some labeling, and this Mm -hmm. is one of the statements that you will see on dietary supplements. But again, it doesn't prevent advertising. Right. That's very deceptive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you see words like enhance your immune system or reduce free radicals or promote normal cholesterol levels or, you know, reduce your body toxicity. It sounds like a lot of preventing and treating to me. I don't know about you. Yeah. It's such a fine line, right? Right. It's, yeah. And you read these ads and they're very convincing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I guess is so deceptive to the public because it does sound, again, like they're making some pretty big claims. Yeah. Even without little... You the know, disclaimer that's on at, there. Yeah, at the bottom, the <laughs> very small. That we see, right? Very small. <laughs> and you even hear commercials. They'll say this product has not been you know yeah. evaluated by FDA. It's that real quick right. word you hear at the the speed talking the at, speed the end, talker, or, at the at the end, <laughs> yeah. right of the commercial. It's that's exa- essentially what's on what yeah. we see on bottles. Very small print, right? Uh, of what you know what this this particular supplement. That's is going only to if do. they make a claim too. Right. That's only if they make a claim on the bottle or yeah right okay. and so there's so many you know dietary supplements that have claims i thought i'd kind of um highlight a couple okay. that are pretty popular yep you know we've seen a lot about using ginkgo to uh-huh. prevent or treat dementia and dementia yeah. is so scary that people sure. want to do something and what they have found in in studies is that it really doesn't have a big effect on dementia right. or prevention of dementia yeah Garlic, the claim is it'll lower your cholesterol. <laughs> Good sized studies that show that garlic doesn't really have any effect nope. yeah. on your, your bad cholesterol. Yeah. Echinacea, that's one I hear a lot of people say I'm going to yes. take echinacea to prevent a cold. Right, yep. They did a study with 400 kids, found um, taking echinacea versus taking placebo, something uh-huh. that didn't have echinacea in it, found no differences in duration or right. severity of colds. Yeah. So even again, though there are no studies to back these up, you're still going to see claims on product labels that look really, really attractive. Yeah. At some point, it was related, and somebody thought that there was a relationship. Right. But most of the time, we're finding evidence-based research is showing us, no, there's no research. I mean, I had a client come in once who just, in the counseling room, it smelled like garlic. She was on a garlic supplement. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that those side effects and everything, too, of taking. And it's always that more is better, too. Right. And so it's the dose, too, that can be what are we doing to ourselves? Exactly. Um, Yeah. And, you know, there can be health effects, you know, just beyond just like, you know, a garlicky smell. There can be really some scary ones. You know, we look at 
St. John's wort probably is the one that scares me the most yeah. because of the all of the potential medication interactions. Correct. If you are taking St. John's wort, please let your doctor know you take St. John's wort. If you're taking any other medication right. whatsoever. Right, because it can interfere with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Physicians sometimes, unfortunately, right. they'll they'll say, are you on any medications? Right. And really what you need to be telling them is not just your medications that you're on, but the supplements you're on as well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they need to know that because that, some of these do have an interaction. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of physicians are not as well educated maybe on dietary supplements as they could be. Mm-hmm. But hopefully when they are putting in a list of medications and they're prescribing that, you know, programs can say, hey, there's an interaction here right. between yep. St. John's wort and this person's other medication right. um, that they might be taking. So yeah. I know it feels weird to sometimes be real honest with your physician about everything you're taking. Sometimes yeah. you might feel embarrassed about all the things that you're taking. Yeah. Yeah. But that honesty really is the best policy yeah. in that situation, even if you just want to throw them all in a bag mm-hmm. and take them to your physician's office or yep. I've had people bring them into my office oh yeah me too you know, I, I to the point now I say just throw them in a bag yeah and come bring see them in me. let's talk about them right let's, let's go through and mm-hmm. make sure that I have a good record of what you're taking yeah um, because I think it's really important to, to be honest about that kind of stuff so yes yeah, certainly St. John's Wort's the one that gets the most press yeah um, but you know you think about even stuff like Oxy Elite Pro which is a you know a, a, a weight loss medication can lead to hepatitis and death yeah. You know, again, there's some really, really scary potential health effects. And again, I know people say, well, there are potential health effects with pharmaceuticals. I get that. Yeah. I totally get that. Right. But dietary supplements are not somehow better right. than pharmaceuticals because somehow they have less side effects. It's just yeah. not, it's not the case Right, at there's all. still that, you know, yeah, I have patients with um, uh, blood clotting issues. Right. And it, some of these that we were talking about, the garlic and mm-hmm. vitamin E, fish oil can thin the blood too and cause interactions with those medications. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and like you said, physicians need to be, you know, educated from their patients about what they're taking. But again, physicians also need to be educated about dietary supplements, period. You know, they did a study that showed that one-third of physicians and re- medical residents were not aware that dietary supplements were not regulated by the FDA. So oh, wow. that one the, third, right, that they were oh. not aware, they were not aware of that, that there was no regulation. They also believed one third of physicians survey believe that there were regulations in place for supplement quality, which there are not. So let's back that up a little yeah. bit. So this means what what we're saying here when we're saying that it's not regulated is what's in that bottle is not necessarily tested for anything that's. Right. necessarily in that bottle that it claims to be right. in that bottle this made news maybe what 2015 2016 mm-hmm. the new york state attorney general did uh, an investigation of uh-huh. dietary supplements from major retailers uh-huh. you know some of your major big box stores where right. we often shop mm-hmm. <laughs> um and found that this and we'll, we'll give you some examples here but found that some of the bottles contained nothing right of what was on the bottle was not what was in the bottle and there was stuff in the bottle that was not on the label of the bottle. Right. Um, Which is dangerous for really scary. allergies. Right. And, really yeah. scary that there was just yeah. so little oversight um, and testing that right. was being done. Be really careful with things that say proprietary blends. Yeah. And even Chinese herbs. Again, again, there's no listing of what herbs are in there yeah and in what strength are mm-hmm. they in there yeah um there just isn't any regulation of that i think the most rampant areas of concern particularly are weight loss supplements mm-hmm. and maybe this is from a dietitian perspective this is what i hear you yeah know, my clients are wanting to take weight loss supplements yeah 
that's one of the most rampant areas for fraud. Mm-hmm. That and sexual health. Again, mm-hmm. very easy to advertise those things. Right. Um, and people will buy them because yeah. they make some pretty outrageous claims. Yeah. Think of the snake oil salesmen of years past, right? Exactly. And that's basically what this is. Yeah. So there's a 2013 study done in Canada of 44 herbal products uh, tested. One third of those 44 did not contain any of what was listed on the label. Wow. Other studies, really concerningly, have found prescription drugs in herbal medications. <gasps> Wait. Yes. Yep. Whoa. So uh, the example that was given was a snake powder capsule, which, again, you might <laughs> say, well, I'm not going to buy that. But believe it or not, it had a steroid in it. It had a diuretic in it. It had a, a, product, a product used to treat ulcers and absolutely no snake. <laughs> So, and there was another one that was advertised, a Chinese uh, herbal medication advertised for joint pain that contains steroids, asthma medication, a now-banned anti-inflammatory that suppresses bone marrow. Again, some really concerning stuff that we can find in dietary supplements because of the lack of regulation. Yeah. I've even talked a little bit about that New York State Attorney General uh, investigation in 2015. Um, 21% of the products that were tested actually contained the herb listed on the bottle, which means 79% did not. Yeah. Walmart had the worst record, and this was and this is all public records. I'm not uh-huh. slamming Walmart here, with right. only 4% of the labels matching <gasps> the herbal listed in the drug <laughs> or on the bottle. Uh-huh. Contaminants included things like rice, beans, pine, asparagus, wheat, wild carrot, and houseplant. I don't even know what I, what is a houseplant, I guess, in my med, Medicaid or my, my herbal supplement. It's a little well, strange, yeah, maybe, yes. Well, if we're going to go make our own supplements, I do have some houseplants that are kind of dying that go. I could just throw in. Come to my house yeah. where, where plants go to die. In man, many cases, the contaminants, that rice, beans, pine, asparagus, were the only plants found in the products. Yeah. They were the only thing in the products. inexpensive and, yeah. yeah. And they probably were charging a boatload for... Right. To purchase this item. So in 2007, there was a little bit of progress on um, how supplements are made. So what, but the problem is that the results haven't really gone anyplace. Okay. So they did 450 supplements were tested by the FDA and they found significant issues, including mislabeling, no recipes for products, (laughs) and contaminated manufacturing facilities. Get ready. This one gets gross. Uh One facility was found to have dead rodents. Again, really scary stuff. So in 2010, they did look at good manufacturing practices that were made mandatory from the FDA to help address these issues. However, they don't have to inspect places called dry labs, which are contract labs that make, you know, do testing on ingredients, but they don't actually do testing on ingredients. They just provide the manufacturer with paperwork that said they did testing. (laughs) And the FDA does not inspect dry labs. So you could be a manufacturer of a supplement, send your product out to a dry lab to be quote unquote tested for quality, come back with clean paperwork that you can then give to the FDA. And the FDA is not going to go to the dry lab and say... This is what, you know, this is actually being being done correctly. Oh, wow. And in 2013, the FDA did a review that found that there are still significant good manufacturing issues, particularly in the smaller facilities. So the smaller facilities are still struggling to have good manufacturing practices. Again, this addresses nothing about 
this is what's in the product or this is a clean right. you know, or this is an effective product. This is just is there not dead rats in this product? It's just the manufacturing. Right. It's all and just ma- fact- manufacturing and having recipes for your products right. and having some regulation. There is no, still no regulation on safety and effectiveness. Or testing. Or testing of like in what's in it. There. Exactly. So even when the label is truthful, you know, variances can occur. So there are differences in herb strength from one crop to another. Sure. So if you're buying an herbal supplement, yeah. you might be buying it in one part of the year and it might have a diff- different strength than later in the year. Hmm. Um, vitamins are also really sensitive to being degraded by heat and light. Mm-hmm. So manufacturers sometimes will include overages to make sure the amount of the, the vitamin is at least 100% of what's listed in the bottle. Hmm. And this course is kind of harmless in most of our water-soluble vitamins. Right. That we just excrete if we have too much of anyway. Mm-hmm. But our fat-soluble vitamins can actually build up in the liver and can become toxic. Yeah. So I think it's being aware of those fat-soluble vitamins are not necessarily just benign that you're taking those. This is one of those things that when I uh, informed my husband about, just blew him away. He mm-hmm. had no idea. Yep. Because I do talk about that a lot, that if... If I'm looking at someone's supplements and they're mostly water-soluble supplements and they're in excess of our needs, Mm -hmm. then, yeah, well, it's just going to go into the toilet. And if you're okay paying for that, you know, and going down the drain, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. um, not necessary. But when you talk about fat-soluble vitamins, that's when I become Mm -hmm. very interested in what they're taking and make sure. Yep. I mean, not that I'm not before, but, you know. So fat-soluble vitamins, yeah, we have the potential to become toxic, have a toxic reaction to that. Absolutely. And then speaking of toxicity, again, these are not safe things necessary to leave laying around the house, especially if you have kids. Yeah. Or pets. Yeah. There was a, an article in the Journal of Medical Toxicology that found there were 275,000 dietary supplement exposures from 2000 to 2012 reported to the National Poison Data System. Again, these are the, wow. just the ones that are reported. Right. Most of the exposures reported to due, due to energy products that contain sometimes significant amount of caffeine combined with herbal supplements. Mm. But the really scariest part is well half of well over half of the exposures uh, were energy products that were uh, consumed by children under the age of six, often accidental. Yeah. So kids coming along a bottle of something mm-hmm. from mom and dad that they might be taking yeah. and taking more than they should have because they didn't realize it wasn't candy. I never thought of that. I don't think many of my supplement bottles are childproof. Right. They don't so, have to be. They don't have so. to be. Right. <laughs> Again. So I think that's something to be aware of. If you have dietary supplements at home, they need to be taken care of in the same way you take care of your prescription medications and away yep. from kids and pets. For sure. So I guess the question is, like, you know, well, are vitamins even necessary? Uh-huh. So we know there are 13 identified vitamins, and we know that vitamin deficiencies are real. Mm-hmm. Things like scurvy. I think scurvy is the one we hear most about. Berry, right. berry, pellagra. Going back to your like, you know, nutrition therapy one course and rickets right. and things like that. There's certain things that the body has to consume in our foods for our bodies to work properly. Right. Yep. But I also think people get concerned. You know, get confused by the RDA. Uh huh. So yeah, you know, the RDA is not a personalized recommendation for you. Right. Yeah, the RDA is set to meet about 97% of the population's needs for that particular nutrient. Right. I have you, 
I have fun like this every once in a while. <laughs> I went into a vitamin shop mm -hmm. and I asked, I was looking for a multivitamin, just a woman's formula, mm -hmm. and I just wanted it to be at 100% of the RDA. I didn't want to be a thousand percent because I know I'm just wasting my money. Mm -hmm. I asked the person working there, they had, oh, RDAs don't matter. You you know, it. they didn't even know what the RDA was. <laughs> so, you know, mm. and and I could not, I, I kid you not, but could not find a supplement that was just at the RDAs. It was all thousand way, percent way above over. the RDA. It's that more is better. We always have that mentality. And so in our supplements that aren't regulated, we're going for more is better. Right. You know, it's not necessary to get 100% of your RDA every single day. Yeah. If right. you do like a menu analysis on a patient, uh -huh. you've done these before. Yep. You know, if they're not hitting their vitamin E every day of the week, I don't really worry about it. Right. If they can hit it a couple of days, great. Right. You know, yep. your body's going to store some well, of that. Even yeah. as dietitians planning menus, the, the requirements are to have a vitamin A source every other day. Right. You don't necessarily have to have it on every day of the right. week. And it can, for that you know, reason, base it, you know, can um, vary based on the season. So mm -hmm. in the summer, maybe you're eating more fresh fruits and vegetables. And in the winter, maybe you eat a little bit, you know, more canned or frozen things. Mm -hmm. It can vary on the season, yeah. you know, and then based on your daily diet is not necessary to make sure that I'm getting 100% of the RDA of vitamin C every other, every day, or I will die. Right. That is not yeah. the, that is not yeah. how it works. I remember as a dietitian, one of the things that we had to do was an analysis of our diet. Mm -hmm. Analysis of a college student's diet. Oh boy. Right? That would been fun. <laughs> it was fun. And I thought, you know, we did a three-day thing. And mm -hmm. I was thinking, oh wow, I might be, you know, I thought I'd be deficient in, in things. I wasn't. I was way good. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was getting plenty of vitamins and minerals. So that's the thing is like... Right. <sighs> I'm a college student and I was doing okay, right. you know, and I think we get worried about it right. and we think we need supplements because we hear this. Right. And so, you know, some people treat vitamins like insurance. Yeah. Well, if I just take this, That's it's okay. I yeah. If I, you know, like this is insurance sort of a bad, against a bad diet, but research shows that they don't really do a lot for our health. Um, there have been some really large recent trials and uh -huh. meta-analysis of many trials um, that showed that vitamin use does not reduce your risk of cancer or heart disease or dementia. And that is one of the main reasons a lot, a of, lot people, of people take them. Right. They mm -hmm. think it's going to reduce their risk of cancer, dementia, yeah. and heart disease. Yeah. And there just isn't any research to no. back that up. No. And even vitamin D, we thought might be an interesting nutrient to supplement mm -hmm. in people, you know, to try to prevent cancer or other issues. And it's just not working out. Yeah. The studies are not working out the yeah. way we had hoped that they would. And so mm -hmm. vitamin D, if you are deficient, may be worth supplementing. Correct. But if you're not deficient, there's probably no reason to take any extra. Yeah. And I guess this is one of the questions that I, you know, I, I talk to patients about is, why are you taking the supplement? What is your intention with taking the supplement? Mm -hmm. Is your intention to prevent heart disease or cancer or dementia? Because those probably aren't going to give you the result that you want. Yeah. 
but you know if you're thinking well I, I don't you know spend enough time outside and I you know have vitamin D deficiency well let's double check that have yeah. your doctor test you for vitamin right. D you know I, I see a lot of patients with newly diagnosed celiac disease and because of the malabsorption that goes along yeah. with celiac disease or other inflammatory conditions like that sometimes there are legitimate vitamin deficiencies mm-hmm. that need to be tested and supplemented right but beyond that yeah there just really isn't a good reason to do it yeah most people who take vitamins don't need them I think this is interesting, the inverse supplement hypothesis. Basically, people who take them are the least likely ones to need them. Yeah, yeah. I see that a lot. You have lots of, you know, people come in with a nice, healthy, balanced diet, plenty of fruits and vegetables and whole grains, and they don't, you know, exclude any food groups. Right. And they're taking a multivitamin. Yeah. Well, I just, I've always taken that. Right. Yeah. You know, I've always yeah. just made, make sure that I'm doing okay with my diet. When really, again, if you did a diet analysis, you could show them yeah. that 99% of days you're hitting all of your major mm-hmm. nutrients yep. and it's not necessary. It's not. And more isn't always better. You know, vitamin A was a hot topic for cancer prevention. Yeah. And they did a study on smokers with beta carotene, which yeah. is the thing that we find in vitamin A. Um, they had to stop the study. Uh-huh. Um, at about eight years in because there was actually an increase in lung cancer uh-huh. amongst people who were receiving the vitamin A supplements. Yeah. More people got lung cancer who were taking supplemental vitamin A. It didn't prevent lung cancer. It actually maybe led to it. Right. It made it, made it worse. It and made it worse. Yeah, they actually stopped the study, which yeah. is unusual. Yeah. Because that it, is was very not, unusual. it was not working. It was actually causing a bigger concern and a bigger issue. Right. Um, what about omega-3 fatty acids? Do you get a lot of questions about that from patients? Yes. Yes and no. So, yeah, it, it, it's not been as big recently, I think. I was exactly going to say the thing. I have, I'm seeing fewer and fewer yeah. people saying they're taking them uh-huh. than they used to. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's kind of falling out of favor because the studies, again, haven't really worked out yeah. that they do anything. Most of us yeah. get enough omega-3 fatty acids from our food. Yeah. And again, they did a study of several thousand people that, you know, taking supplemental omega-3 fatty acid did not increase their uh, incidence of heart disease. Um, there is some research on that and triglycerides that may uh-huh. be beneficial. But beyond that, hmm. there is no reason yeah. for people who are, you know, healthy people to be taking omega-3 fatty acids to prevent heart disease or to treat high cholesterol. Again... All we need to do is eat one serving of fish per week. Right. Yeah. And you're getting all the omega-3 fatty acids that you need. You don't need them on a daily basis. Right. You don't need to eat salmon every day. Or have other omega-3 fatty acid sources every single day. It's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Calcium's another one. You know, 99% of our calcium is stored in our bones, Mm -hmm. which is good for bone structure and function. And of course, after the age of 50, we break down more than we make. And certainly fractures are scary. Mm-hmm. especially in older people, because it can lead to debility and unfortunately death. But there is no reduction in fractures by taking supplemental calcium. Yeah, that's interesting. So currently, there are no recommendations to put people who have a varied diet, uh-huh. who you know consume dairy products, fortified juices, you know cereals that are fortified right. with calcium do not need to be taking calcium supplements. And then that vitamin D, again, just exposing yourself to sunshine. You know, mm-hmm. we're all afraid of the sun, and I get sun cancer is, or sun cancer, skin cancer <laughs> is a real fear. Right. But getting 10 to 15 minutes of exposure to your face, hands, or back 
twice a week. Again, not every day. Right. It doesn't need to be yeah. every day. And if you don't feel like you're getting that much sun, again, you can get it in fortified sources like cereal, bread, uh, orange juice, yogurt, or even soy beverages that are fortified mm-hmm. with vitamin D. Yeah. Again, the research just hasn't really worked out that vitamin D is going to be beneficial for cancer prevention. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking it for that reason, I yeah. probably wouldn't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Again, and if you're taking it without a documented deficiency, yeah, that's that's scary to me yeah. because again, it's a fat-soluble vitamin. Correct, correct. And the other thing is testing it once you've been on the supplement for a while. Right. Go back and have that tested at least once a year, I believe. Right. Uh, check with your doctor for their recommendation. Right. To make sure that your levels haven't come up to the point where you would not need the supplement any longer. Right. I mean, there are situations where dietary supplements can be legitimate, and mm-hmm. pregnancy is one of them, yep. particularly because of folic acid. Mm-hmm. Um, we do still recommend a prenatal vitamin. We recommend a prenatal vitamin for women who you know, are thinking about becoming pregnant because mm-hmm. that neural tube on the baby forms often before you know you are pregnant. Yep. And so it's super important that you have plenty of folic acid on board. It's really, though, getting impossible to become deficient in folic acid because yeah. Everything is fortified with folic acid. If you eat yeah. breakfast cereal, if you eat pasta, mm-hmm. if you eat crackers, yeah, it's yeah, all fortified. It's, in, mm-hmm. it's sprayed with folic acid, I yeah. guess is the best way it's fortified. Yeah. And so you know, it's really hard to become deficient. But again, we are still recommending women of childbearing age yeah. take folic acid every day. It can't hurt. Yeah. Right. And then finally, B12. I have lots of patients saying about mm-hmm. should they be taking a B12 yeah. deficiency. You know, if you've had gastric bypass, if you're a vegan, if you've mm-hmm. been on long-term diabetes metformin, yep. there may be some reason to take B12. But mm-hmm. again, without a documented deficiency, yeah. it's not going to somehow increase your energy levels. Right. You know, yeah. like that, that's kind of the wrap on B12. It'll make you more energetic. If I take a right. B-complex, I'll have more energy. Right. And I've, I've had people tell me that and say, I feel more energetic. Yeah. If I gave you a placebo, right. you might also feel more energetic because you think you're going to be more energetic right yeah so again i think it's really uh, it's something that you know yeah what we think our minds are very powerful what we think is happening by taking the supplement may we may feel that right but it it likely isn't happening well the interesting thing with b12 too is if you're if you're deficient in b12 to a certain degree you actually can't just take a supplement right to get it back up there you actually have to have some injections first so it's not something to do on your own right it's something to be following up and talking to your doctor right. about. If you are concerned about quality, there are a couple of things that you can look at. The USP Verified Dietary Supplement, it is simply addressing quality, though. It does not address effectiveness or safety. Sure. But if you're saying, I want to make sure that there isn't houseplant right. in this supplement or rice or beans, right. can look for that USP symbol. That's a good thing yep. to look for. But again, it doesn't always, have anything to do with quality. Yeah. It only has to do with quality, not with safety or, or efficacy what's going to happen because exactly. you're taking it right i always tell my clients uh that yeah you're looking for uh any supplement that has that seal on it or independent um lab testing, lab testing that says that yes the quality is what you're seeing on the label is actually what's inside the bottle right and inside the pill and i think the other thing to remember you know we've talked about food being a great source of our vitamins and yeah. our other nutrients uh, I think we can't stress that enough that there is more in food than we could ever put into a, a supplement. Yeah. So, you know, 
there's so much more, you know, for example, you know, there's 200 grams of uh, an apple produces the same uh, amount of antioxidant activity as 1500 milligrams of vitamin C. However, the apple doesn't actually have a lot of vitamin C. So there are right. other antioxidants that are in that apple mm-hmm. that you could never bottle. Right. Um, you know, things like phenolic acids, flavonoids, phytochemicals we haven't even named yet. Right. Because we don't know what they are. Exactly. It's yeah. not the vitamin C so much mm-hmm. as the other stuff that's in the apple. That maybe with that. The... Right. That's sort of this magic that, you know, yeah. fruits and vegetables can give to us. So I always say nutrition is such a young science. And it is. we don't know what we don't know yet. And then in any study that we've ever seen, it seems like, I, I'm being dramatic here, but seriously, it, it just seems like study after study shows us when you compare consuming of food mm-hmm. versus taking the vitamin supplement, mm-hmm. the benefit is not the same. Right. It, you get bigger bang for your buck by eating the food than by right. taking a supplement. And you know, I, and people say, well, fruits and vegetables are so expensive. Well, so are vitamins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very expensive. Very expensive. You know, True. and if the, the lower quality, you might get a lower price, but you're who knows you, what you're getting in. Exactly. Point. What are you paying for? Uh, right, exactly. You know, you're better off to spend your money on fruits and vegetables yeah. or, you know, um, other healthy things like salmon than to Mm -hmm. try to take an omega-3 fatty acid or try to take a vitamin supplement or a you know even some of the mid-level marketing Mm -hmm. you know gummy chews that are fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. um, which shall remain remain nameless on the show Um, right people will take this and say this is in place of my fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. yeah again I understand we're all busy right and sometimes it's hard to get all your fruits and vegetables in yeah but taking that type of supplement is not replacing right apples and green beans and right. spinach and those types of things because yeah. again it couldn't possibly give you all of the antioxidant capabilities that mm-hmm. food can give you not to mention the fiber exactly the fiber <laughs> and that. you know the satisfaction yeah. of eating things that yeah yummy, like fruits and vegetables yeah. so we're going to wrap it up today and again if you have other questions about dietary supplements we're going to put a few links into the show notes mm-hmm. um, i think that are really helpful if you are super into vitamins, I don't mind plugging this book because I think it's really good. It's called uh-huh. Vitamania okay. by Catherine Price. She sure. is a reporter from San Francisco who did sort of an expose on the vitamins and herbal supplement industry. Uh, a lot of the stuff that was in this presentation today comes from her. And I think it's a really, really, if it's just kind of something that turns you on in nutrition and you're like, I want to read more about that, I think that's probably one of the best resources that I've found in terms of going through the history yeah. and the lack of regulation. And then yes. talking about why vitamins are kind of that thing that we get all excited about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, where that would be the best sources for you, which is obviously food. Yeah. So if you have other show ideas, visit us at secretliferd.com or you can email us at dish at secretliferd.com and we will see you next time wherever you get your podcasts.